welcome to the For the Church podcast, another great gospel-centered resource from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Jared Wilson. I'm an assistant professor of pastoral ministry and author in residence at Spurgeon College and Midwestern Seminary. And it's a very special episode today. I'm very excited. It's This is the very special Christmas Day episode. It's Christmas. I know uh, you guys are listening to this episode on Christmas Day. You've gathered around the Victrola with your family. Uh, you've got your presents there in your laps. And before you even get going with your family traditions, you have to listen to the For the Church podcast. So thank you for making us uh, number one in your Christmas tradition this year. And we have a very special guest, Mr. Christmas himself, actually, uh, a friend of mine and a friend of the podcast and of the seminary, new doctoral student, actually, in the seminary. Uh, we'll talk about that maybe. Uh, but we have Ronnie Martin, who is uh, the founder and lead pastor of Substance Church in Ashland, Ohio where he also serves as Northeast Regional Director uh, for Church Planning for the Evangelical Free Church in America, and also does some work with Sojourn, authors, books, et cetera, et cetera. Hey, Mr. Christmas, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Jared C., it's good to be here, man. Yeah, it's Christmas Day. What are you guys doing? Oh, man, it's Christmas Day. So we are in, obviously, our, our PJs. We have yep. mugs of, of of hot coffee, hot chocolate. There's <laughs> presents just literally just flowing down the hallways out of all the rooms in our house. Yeah. It but, is cozy. So there's like there's a tinsel. fire. <laughs> there's tinsel everywhere. There's a gentle um, snow falling outside. There's a gentle snow falling. The smell of, like, pancakes and bacon and ah. cinnamon rolls is is, you know is permeating the air. It is beautiful. Yeah. Well, tell me about Ashland, Ohio. What, because I, the way that I've heard you talk about it, um, it, it seems like it'd be a perfect Christmas town, like a village, even a Christmas village. What's Ashland, Ohio like at Christmas time? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like that. We make it like that. So our little square in Ashland is very, uh, very career and Ives. It's kind of the Norman Rockwell, yeah. you know, you know, Christmas thing, because this town is, you know, the, the town hasn't really, I mean, it's, it's going through revitalization right now, but it is something that would be a throwback to kind of the old American style Christmases that we, you know, that we've got our hearts kind of warm up towards, you yeah. know, and we think of it's a wonderful life. Yeah. And, uh, so it's, it, it is very Bedford Falls in, in many ways. Yeah. That's so, awesome, man. I, I'm so jealous. Kansas City looks nice depending on where you go, um, especially if, if, you know, if we do get snow. I've only been here four Christmases, I think. Um, but like if you go down to the plaza, which is like the historic, uh, you know, the big shopping district uh, south of the river, they, they do that up pretty well. And so it can yeah. it can feel kind of like, uh, you know, the Christmassy scenes from the movies where you go shopping and they've got the, the, the greenery right. on the lamp, you know, the lights on the lamp posts and everything. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's pretty neat. Um, so you love Christmas. I mean, like one of the reasons why I want to have you on for this episode, when I saw that actually our podcast schedule had, uh, cause we, we published every other Wednesday just about, and it was going to fall on Christmas day if, if we kept the routine schedule. And at first I thought maybe we don't do that. Uh, but people can listen to the podcast anytime they want, but no, let's do Christmas day and let's do a, a Christmas episode. And I thought who better to get on the Christmas episode than Mr. Christmas himself, uh, Ronald J. Martin. And well, I love being called Mr. Christmas. Well, I mean, that I, is, I love that you call me that. I'm so, I feel, I, I mean, that you're making my Christmas okay. right now. By well, calling I want to know where it comes from. Like, you know why? I mean, lot, lots of people love Christmas, but you like love Christmas. Where, where in the world does that even come from? I don't know. There was something, I think it was, I think my parents in a good way contributed to that. They, um, they made a big deal out of Christmas for us growing up. I have five siblings, four siblings, four other siblings, and they, um, they really did it up probably in some ways that were damaging, which is why you now call me Mr. Christmas. And, uh, <laughs> and, um, in, in probably some really good ways in the sense that, um, you know, they, they wanted to, um, they wanted to create, you know, a sense of, of family and giving and make something just really special for us, you know, at that particular time of the year. And so I don't know what it is, but it just um, for me growing up, it was just the most anticipated time of the year. Um, a lot of my memories are wrapped up in that time where, you know, you December hits, you get the tree, you get let out of school. And back then, you know, back in the 1930s, when I, whatever, I'm so old now, back <laughs> when I was experiencing Christmas, um, you know, they gave you like three, two to three weeks off Christmas vacation. So we had these yeah. long, long Christmas vacations where, 
um, you know, you get out of school and just the, the fact that you're not in school for a few weeks and you're experiencing just the music and the anticipation of the day. And um, I, I think it just it really had like this um, sort of this indelible, you know, effect on my consciousness to where I just I, I love it. And yeah. it's just it's so much a part of me who I am. Yeah, it it's popular now. Or, um, maybe not popular. But you you hear it creep up, even in evangelical circles, when they're not sort of arguing about the the culture war aspect of you know let's keep Christ in Christmas, we need to make sure the target cashiers say Merry Christmas, um, you know, darn it, we're gonna you know, <laughs> you better say Merry Christmas. It's a it's it's a it's a true evangelistic spirit that we want to force people <laughs> to acknowledge <laughs> our sacred holidays. <laughs> uh, but anyway, if we're not looking at that. Um, sometimes you have like kind of the, I don't know, like the evangelical hand ringers and, and, uh, who, um, will say things like, oh, Christmas is just so terrible because it distracts us from, from Jesus himself and, and, and the true purpose of the incarnation and all these sorts of things. The consumerism, uh, the, the superficiality, um, you know, all of these sort of things. And I'm beginning to think that, um, wait used to come with that stuff, the wonder, the the magic, all that, that they're almost sort of Debbie Downers about that stuff. Uh, you know, I don't know if you sense that is, you know, certainly the world is more consumeristic and more pragmatic about these things. And it just is like this big machine, money machine now. But is there a sense in which we need to recapture, actually, um, even the 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 earthliness of of the Christmas season, the, you know, even the nostalgic factor of it? What's good about that? I mean, I think that's a great question. I, I, I've, you know, personally, you know, I, I've, I've not had a lot of struggle in those areas. Um, I, I think you're a very shallow, I, superficial I, person. Is what you're saying. Right, correct. <laughs> no, I mean, I think that there is, you know, I, I mean, you know, I think that there are redemptive moments in, in the earthiness, you know, that you're talking about. And certainly like anything else, I think we can go too far and we can become, you know, just apart. So, you know, we can be that consumeristic mentality can become ingrained in us. But I mean, like everything else, I think that um, if we approach it from, you know, from the perspective of, you know, the gospel and um, from the perspective of, you know, having this infilling of Christ and the incarnation, I mean, I think all of these things can have a place um you know, a redemptive place in our lives to where we're, we're, you know, we're, we don't have to be grumpy and scroogey about the consumerism that's going on around us, but we can use it in a way that I think just gives greater light to, like you just said a minute ago, the wonder and some of the magic and some of the, the, the beauty that, that, you know, Christ represents for us, you know, in, in the incarnation. So I don't know. I mean, you can take anything too far yeah. and then just try to wipe it off the face of it of the map, you know, in terms of wanting or not wanting to celebrate these things. But I would just ask the question, you know, why, why would we want to do that? Why not use this as an opportunity um, to, you know, be a little more redemptive in our approach to it while still being a part of it and enjoying a lot of the things that people enjoy um, at this time of, of the year, you know, yeah. why not join in with them in it and then saying, well, Hey, here's, Here's some of the here's some of the depths that it produces in my life as the result of it. So. Yeah, you know, I I understand. I sympathize with some of the complaints or the critiques of, um, you know, what Christmas has become for so many, and you know, the shades of worldliness that come into consumerism and and sure. um, maybe even gluttony and those sorts of things. And yet, yeah. I just when you look out at the world, for me, I, it, we live in very crass times. Very, um, in a sense, gross. You know, you're looking at social media and just the, the things that people are talking about, um, what what we focus on, um, in very chaotic times, very tumultuous times. And so, I, I just wonder, um, maybe we need a good dose once a year for 15 days or a month of just simple nostalgic, um, even you know, not you know, with Thanksgiving to the Lord, everything can be you know good received with Thanksgiving can be received with Thanksgiving. Um, but even though, you know, for its own, you know, these are good gifts. God gave these gifts to us, uh, the, not just the pumpkin pie and the turkey and, but the spirit of generosity. And so I think there's, there's something to the quote unquote spirit of Christmas, 
uh, that can be enjoyed and actually can be a good bomb, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. at, at the end of a, a year with election season, you know, ramping up and, and everything yeah. else that's going on. There's something about slowing down and, you know, smelling the bacon and the, the hot cocoa and looking at the tree at night when the lights are on in the dark living room. Yes. There's just something to the soul that, that I think the Lord even enjoys that we enjoy that, you know. Yes. He, he, he's not a miser with his gifts, you know. Yeah, and I think, I mean, that's such a great point because I think what a testimony to, like, our neighbors. If we can enjoy Christmas the way that they enjoy it in terms of it being this just this, you know, lights filled, magical gift giving, you know, enjoying back to the simple nostalgic things of our life. Um, what a testimony to them that, you know, um, you know, we are in, in our souls, we have the capacity and the margin and the place to enjoy it like them, but differently than them because our perspective on it um, is a little bit differently. I mean, Dickens really summed it up mm. with Christmas Carol. Okay. And I, and, and I think what's sad to me is that, um, when we become a little too, when we get, when we, when we allow ourselves, I think as Christians to get bogged down with the technicalities of Christmas, um, you know, we become a little Ebenezer like, you know, <laughs> and we, all we can say is that this is a false and commercial festival, yeah. you know, like Ebenezer did. And you have Fred Hollywell who comes in and goes, but isn't this just a, a time for us to, um, to, to, you know, open up our shut up hearts to those around us. It's the occasion for it. And it's one of those few times of the year that nobody's really going to push back against us. And so we get to sort of exhibit Christian character and qualities in a way that we're not going to receive any sort of pushback because the season demands that it happens. Yeah. Right. I, you know, I, I do think you, you mentioned nostalgia. I think I mentioned nostalgia as well. I think that plays a part into, you know, into it because as things change, we get older um, you know, part of the the joy of Christmas for me is this sense you get to go back in time every, you know, you know, once a year, you, you get to sort of, you know, get out of the attic, the past and, 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 you know, lay it on out into your living room and kitchen and everything else. And, and there's a sense of nostalgia there. Talk about the power or even sentimentality. There's a, I think a power to that, a, a good quality to that, but there's also, I think problems um, or, you know, there can be, you know, as you said, you can take anything too far. There's a power of nostalgia, and then there's a problem with nostalgia. Um, and I'll just give a little illustration, right? So in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, um, which is one of my favorite places in, in America, my daughter goes to college there. And, uh, you know, I've been going there at least once a year for the last, you know, seven or eight years. There is um, like this row of like gift touristy. It's very kitschy. Like everything's very cheesy. But they have it's, – yeah. they call it – it's called the National uh, Christmas Center, <laughs> and it's this big, yeah. It, oh, why haven't I been there, brother? Oh, it's the gosh. center of Christmas. <laughs> and so wow. one year, my my wife, like I bought tickets for my wife and I, and she was so skeptical. Like Becky did not want to go in, and um, and we went in, and like you know, she tolerated it. I loved it, and it had like they had a recreated Woolworths, like an old like 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 five and dime with the old stuff that you would see in a Woolworths, like a Christmas Woolworths. I'm literally like googling it right now. I, I gotta well, get it's out. There. Here, here's the thing, brother. Like it is closed down now. It's like okay. the biggest heartbreak of my life. They had uh, nativity scenes from all over the world, and they had uh, life-size like walk through Bethlehem mm. and um, Santa, you know, you know, depictions of Santa from everywhere. But anyway, I loved it. It was very kishy. Like you know, it just it it looks like something that somebody dreamed up uh, on the set of Napoleon Dynamite or something. I mean, it just it, it very it, it, yeah. But for me, it did my heart good. It just yeah. felt retro. It felt something. But obviously there's a problem with that as well. So why is nostalgia powerful for us and when do we get into problems with it? I think it's powerful if it I mean if it conjures up memories. Again, is God not the God of our memories, hmm. right? So does God allow did God create us as people that are able to recall things that bring about moments of our lives that were just incredible blessings. I think we have to look at it like that. Um, I, I think as long as nostalgia isn't the driving force of your life. So I'm a very nostalgic person. So the danger for me is that I'm constantly looking behind me as those days, those moments as being, you know, um, you know, the sort of the, the greatest times of my life of which I can never move beyond. And I, and I think, you know, I could be in danger of, of that if I'm not careful. So I think just an awareness of that. I mean, Paul pretty much said that, right? 
look, I'm, I'm not looking at what lies behind. I'm pressing forward. Mm. So there is this idea that as Christians, we have to move forward because, again, we're moving towards glory. And so nostalgia, I don't think necessarily has to sort of bat against that. I think nostalgia, I think C.S. Lewis talked well about nostalgia in yeah. that this longing and this yearning that we have for those moments um, of the past, which is really maybe more about us wanting to go home and longing for home. Um, that can be what God uses to remind us of our, you know, of our future home. So I think, I think if we rightly, I think nostalgia can have, like you're describing, it can have a rightful and good. I would even go so far as to say that nostalgia is, has a necessary place. Mm. I think in the lives of, of Christians, as long as it's not taken to a place that allows you to just live in the past, you know, but, you know, for me, that's, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to be careful and guard against that for sure. Yeah. You know, I think there's something about taking a visit to, um, in a, in a way the Lord's faithfulness or, um, you know, the beautiful, you know, the beauty of memory, um, in the same sense, you brought up Lewis, the, that, um, you know, the kids go into Narnia and it is very much sort of the emergence of Lewis's imagination, which is so full of this longing from childhood. And he, he, he throws in, you know, everything into it. Santa even shows up, in, right, in, in, in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And yeah, so we're just probably has, supposed to skip that chapter. That's right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it, you know, it's, it's the world of, of imagination and, and, yes. and longing and has little bits of nostalgia for him because he's got these bits of these myths and things that he loved as a child, you know, kind of thrown in. Yeah. But the kids don't stay there, right? They're not meant to stay in Narnia. They come back out into their, quote, unquote, yeah. real world. And so I think, you know, it's a good place to visit. And I think yeah. even regularly, it's you know, but it's a bad place to stay. It's a bad place to live, right? Um, mm-hmm. Nostalgia yeah. can be a church killer, for instance. Uh, you know, um, yeah. when, a church, oh, yeah. when a church is basically living, um, you know, only for its glory days or for the good old days, you know, certainly yeah. they're not, you know, obeying the Lord forward. Um, so, you know, I think nostalgia can be a good tradition. And speaking of traditions, um, perhaps a new tradition for families who are listening to us. You have a new book. That that uh, that just came out, yeah. Um, an Advent book, right? So it's it's very um, convenient. We're talking about this on the last day of, <laughs> of Advent, but you can get it for next year. Tell us about the best gift ever given: a twenty-five day journey through Advent from God's good. This is the longest subtitle in the history. Yeah, of it's subtitle. a long one. They they allowed it. Yeah, it takes twenty-five days to get through this subtitle. A twenty-five day journey <laughs> through Advent from God's good gifts to God's great Son. Tell us about the best gift ever given. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, the idea was, could we, could we create an Advent book for kids about ages five to 10? I, I think that's the target, um, that just locked them into seeing, um, you know, how do we, I, I know growing up, you know, I, I grew up a little more materialistically. And so, um, you know, this anticipation, this drive towards Christmas was all about that day that we were going to get everything that we wanted, you know, yeah. and my parents would do this thing where they would hold off getting us things all through the year, because again, <laughs> they made a big deal out of Christmas. Yeah. And so again, that, that did some bad things probably to our heart. Sorry, mom and dad, if you're, or mom, if you're listening. Um, but so the idea behind this was how do we present, um, how do we present uh, this idea of waiting uh, for gifts to kids and then sort of redefining what gifts actually are and how they're all around them, how they've been given to them from the hand of God and maybe through the hand of God through their parents, but to have just sort of this fuller realization of everything around you um, that God has given you. And again, taking it from Genesis all the way to the birth of Christ and seeing that scripture provides sort of a portrait of of everything that God has has given to us and how good those gifts are. So to, really, just to to open up the minds of of kids during this time of the year. Yeah, um, and and it's a, the idea. Yeah, it's a gorgeous looking book too, as well. I was um, grateful to receive a copy. Um, who who did the the illustrations in that? Who's the artist there? Yeah, so it's a guy named Nathan Schrader, and I, I have a long background in the the music industry. And this was a brother that did a lot of graphic work for me for album sleeves and and you know promotional materials and things of that nature. So it was a really cool thing that when I I asked him, hey, would you be able to do something in sort of this mid century style that I really love? I didn't know if he you know if he had any experience with that, and he did. And so he kind of gave me a couple of samples, and it just looked amazing. And then 
um, this particular publisher we went with, they loved it. They wanted to use him. So we got to work together again after a few years, which was really fun for me to work with Nathan again. And it's always fun to work with somebody, you know, too, because there's that relationship right. there and that give and take. And so, yeah, he just, I mean, the, the book really is about Nathan's illustrations more than anything else, because they're so striking. The colors are so vivid. Yeah. And and it really stays in line, really, with how you visualize Christmas, too, in terms of the colors. And so he was really good at locking into that as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I could see without any, um, uh, you know, hesitation that this could be something that would be part of a new tradition for a family, you know, each mm. each day of Advent going through the book. Um, it's a great big picture book. The illustrations are very vivid. It's very it's just a beautiful uh, yeah. book as well. It comes from Harvest House Publishers. Uh, if you're listening, you're interested in this sort of thing. Um, you can find it uh, wherever uh, Christian books are sold, Christian children's books are sold. It's on Amazon. I'm looking at it right now on Amazon. Um, you probably just got an Amazon gift card this morning and you're stocking people. <laughs> you know, put that thing to use. Make an investment in next uh, holiday season in the best gift ever given. Um, now, so you love Christmas so much, you don't want to stop with this, right? Children's books, Advent books is not enough for you. I, I know that you've got <laughs> the you've got a, a churning, a yearning to write another kind of book, a Christmas book. Tell us about that. You uh, creatively, yeah, be the resident creative here with us. What's the Christmas book that you have in your mind? Well, I have a couple. So okay. I just, even just this morning, I was talking to to Nathan, and we're um we're working up some ideas for just an adult Advent. Book, oh, but okay. but illustrated. Okay. So it's I want to do something, you know, the illustrated advent. So to take to take it and present some some art along with our our daily devotionals going through advent. So I would love to do a project like that for adults. Um, that would be something really exciting for me. And then you know, here's where um, here's 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 what my wife would like me to not say right now on this podcast, <laughs> which is. I uh, I love Christmas fiction. Yeah. So I love I I have. This a is heart the thing. For, I didn't even yeah. know this was like. I mean, I I guess I could have assumed there's Christmas books out there, but like there's a whole cottage industry about this, like Christmas Christmas fiction. Yeah. So really, what it is is a lot of, a lot of authors who just write regular fiction um, during the year. You know what they what their publishers will say is, hey, throw us a throw us a Christmas book, you know, <laughs> give us something to give us something to release for the season. You know, it has a short, sh- short, short sales span, as you well know, you know, so they release these things in October, November, they sell them for a couple of months. But I just part of my Christmas and my nostalgia is sort of collecting these Christmas fiction, sort of romantic fiction books. You know, I start around August because they, they start coming up, hey, available for pre-order. And then, um, you know, they get released in October, November. So I usually read, you know, four or five of these. And it's part of how I celebrate the Christmas okay. season. So I've always just wanted to write one of those. And um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm in I'm in process of, uh, of, of writing my own uh, Christmas fiction and, you know, see what happens with that down the road. Are, they're, are hard they, to get, they're hard to get published, though, too. Yeah. Are, are they like the, Hall, the Hallmark movies? Is it that? I'm, that's what I'm picturing, like a guy and a girl and, you know, she he's – the handyman and she just moved to town <laughs> on business. <laughs> she, yeah. she, yeah, she's a business lady. Not ready. Everything for, you're thinking is not correct. ready for love. Yes. Right. He's the, the hard nosed you know, contractor who comes to remodel the kitchen and yeah. uh, Christmas season. And it's just, yeah, it's all, yeah, it's, it's, it's all of that. It's like the, the struggling, it's the struggling author who's down and, you know, right. he's, whose sales are down and he's not selling books anymore. And he moved, he goes to the small town to sort of rekindle his imagination. Try yeah. to write some. He meets the girl that has been, you know, that went through the bad relationship and, you know, they go to the Christmas tree farm and they can, they, you know, they get this relationship that happens just so happens to happen right around the Christmas season. Yeah. And yeah, so it's, it's very nostalgic and warm. There's like a, a, fuzzy a, and- a, a rascally older you know, character, an old aunt or, uh, or, or guy, you know, old man. There's always a villain trying to prevent what they're doing. Oh, that's right. Happening. Yeah. He's also like developing condos on top of the old, <laughs> exactly <laughs> the, the old soda shop. Or <laughs> yeah. And there's, and there's always like one of them is very, is coming from a very like damaged past mm. and is having a hard time, you know, like the relationship's right there, but they're struggling with all the wounds from the past. And it's only Christmas that's going to help, like, get them through it. Yeah. 
you know, spark this new romance. I love you know? it. I love it. I have never seen I, this is this is the honest truth. I've never seen a single minute of a Hallmark, any Hallmark movie, much less a Hallmark Christmas movie. But I feel like I know exactly what they are and what the stories could tell uh, or, or what the stories and are yeah. and what and happens. That's a in good them. picture of it. I don't really, you know, so here's what's funny about me, Jared. See, is I don't. I don't. I'm not really into the Hallmark. I like the classic Christmas okay. specials. I don't really love because I want to come back around to that. We're <laughs> gonna do it kind of just like a, a your favorite X, Y, and Z at, um, okay. after our break. So let's take a, a moment for a coffee break. Maybe you've got some uh, gift wraps to take outside and set on a bonfire or something. Uh, <laughs> get some cocoa and let's hear a word from our hosts at Midwestern Seminary. Midwestern Seminary's 81-hour Master of Divinity degree prepares you for ministry today and tomorrow. Midwestern Seminary's flagship degree program is our primary track for ministry preparation. Requiring only 81 credit hours, the MDiv program is an efficient option for students, equipping them to serve the church in pastoral ministry. Residential students will be trained in a unique community environment passionately focused on the local church. Online students can earn the full degree without leaving their current ministry context. Come be a part of one of the fastest growing seminaries in North America as we develop a new culture of discipleship devoted to the local church and committed to taking God's unchanging word into a rapidly changing world. Visit mbts.edu slash mdiv today. Okay, we're back. We're talking with Ronnie Martin, who is the founder and lead pastor of Substance Church in Ashland, Ohio, also the author of several books and co-author of several books, um, but also the author of a new book, uh, Advent book, The Best Gift Ever Given. Uh, we're talking about nostalgia, sentimentality, some of our, our favorite aspects of Christmas. Uh, but now, I, you know, I want to take a trip down memory lane and maybe get a glimpse into your own traditions, cultural traditions around Christmas. And so I've just got a, a rapid fire list here of some things that we can explore. Um, I think it might be fun for the listeners. What was your favorite Christmas gift uh, uh, growing up? Or, or maybe it was last year, but like from a kid, when you were a kid, what was your favorite Christmas gift or most memorable? Yeah, my- yeah, my favorite Christmas gift easily was 1983. Mm. My dad's my dad owned a business and it was not doing well. And um, again, it was one of these situations where they put so much emphasis on Christmas. This was one of those years where they said, you know, there's not going to be a lot this year. We're struggling. And I had my eyes that my heart set on this new bike. And I just knew there was no chance in the mm. world because of where we were at. And I woke up that morning and there it was under the tree. Ah, that's so and awesome. I, I was, I was never as surprised. They just, and my, and I found out later, man, my dad had to do so much stuff to afford to do ah. that. So it, it, it gives me this big heart of, you know, love thinking about, you know, the sacrifices he made, but I've never been as shocked and surprised. That one really sticks out to me. That, that's amazing. Was it like a gift of the Magi thing? Like he sold his harmonica to buy the bike and you got him a case for his harmonica with your <laughs> I mean, bike helmet or something. <laughs> let's just roll with that and say yes. <laughs> so I have like, I have these very, um, yeah, just these fond memories of, so when, when I was little, uh, when I was born, my dad was a school teacher and he, he, uh, he coached football and basketball and, and, and taught. Uh, but then he, he started working at Montgomery Wards, which that in and of itself classic. is like a nostalgic, yeah, classic department. Oh, Wards, absolutely. Wards, yeah. So he, he worked at Montgomery Wards, and I, I remember early, early years, um, it was things that he could get, uh, and it was like certain themes. And I, I forget how he would acquire these things, but one Christmas it was sporting equipment. So we had mm. boxing gloves and football helmets and pat, shoulder pads, all these things that he could get from the store. The next year it was musical instruments, so we had like – drums and guitars all these things <laughs> it was like what did they ever have they had extra of that they discounted or something i don't remember but my favorite christmas gift and this was probably 1985 maybe 86 uh you, you remember swatch watches were like oh yeah oh my yeah. gosh you you, yeah. were, you if you didn't have a swatch watch you were human garbage you had to have a swatch <laughs> watch. and i i desperately wanted the swatch and they were like i even remember i think they were 35 dollars, which that's yeah. expensive for a watch maybe even now i don't know but uh, right. uh you know in terms of like just an everyday sporty watch but it, when you're you know in, in the fifth grade like yeah that's you know, like how much allowance i gotta save up for that and the year I didn't think I was going to get it. So this was like my number one thing. I wanted to swatch watch because I wanted to be a real person at school with my <laughs> swatch watch. And I remember what it was. It was the coat of arms swatch watch, which uh, oh, I looked wow. up recently. It's worth a lot of money, actually. Uh, but I came down for Christmas, opening the presents. And the last gift is this big box. It was so heavy. And I just thought I didn't get the swatch. And I opened it up. 
and they had put the which it, the swatch watches came in these like long yeah, narrow rectangular cla- you know yeah. plastic uh, cases. Yeah. They had stuck it in this big box and put rocks in the bottom of the box oh, to trick nice. me. I love it. It's so yes. brilliant, and it just I I, it's it. such a, a vivid memory for me. Yes. Okay, favorite Christmas song, or maybe you have several. Yeah, so man, I think the greatest Christmas song ever. Um, and I would argue for this is, in fact, the Christmas song by Nat King Cole. Oh, chestnuts roasting on chestnuts an oven. roasting. Okay. Yeah, nice. yeah. And then Nat, but Nat King Cole. I mean, he is. I mean, I mean, there is no like just more buttery, beautiful voice than <laughs> Nat for Christmas. Yeah. And to me, when that song comes on, it brings back every Christmas memory I've ever had, all into like one big beautiful bundle. Okay. You know? Is there a particular album, Christmas album, other than Nat King Cole's that you think, man, the whole that album is just that's Christmas? Yeah, you know what's crazy is I um I love um I love the Carpenters Christmas <laughs> okay. album. Wow, it's a double album, and they did it. So it's you know it was it was made in the seventies, but it doesn't sound seventies. It doesn't have that kitschy seventies sound because they used an orchestra. But you have her voice and just the arrangements they did. They do all the classics. And it's just, it's an amazing album from, from front to back. And it, you know, it's, it's old school in the sense that, you know, you buy a new Christmas album now and everybody thinks, oh yeah, I'm going to write like 10 originals. It's like, I don't want 10 originals. Yeah. I want the classics. And so right. it's all the classics. It's, it's just, it's beautiful and it's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. And no one can beat NSYNC's Merry Christmas anyway. <laughs> and happy, right? So like, it's been done. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I like, uh, Elvis Presley's Christmas album. Not, oh, a, yeah. not okay. a huge fan of yeah. Elvis in general, Yeah, right. uh, you know, here and there, some of the, you know, the oldies, but the, the Christmas album from Elvis, I really like, especially blue Christmas. I don't know what it is about blue Christmas, but it just gets you. It just yeah. gets me. And the Bing uh, Crosby Christmas album. Yeah. That's um, a great album. I have that one as well. Yeah. yeah that's, that's a great one. Okay. What about, what, what about favorite Christmas food? What do you like to eat around Christmas time? What is it like? Uh, it's not man. Christmas if we don't have yeah so i think gosh that's a great question um so gosh i'm trying to think um is there, I, is there a know, traditional meal that you guys have yeah so we swap that out you know for being as traditional as we are i you know we um we used to do the the traditional like ham turkey kind of combo and then a few years back um we decided to switch it up a little bit and, and i come from you know i i come from an italian background my wife doesn't, but she kind of, you know, we've been married for 25 years. So she kind of adopted a lot of that. And so yeah. we do this big, like, we do this big Italian, like, pasta dinner on Christmas, which wow. is just, and I don't, I, you know, I'm always trying to stay away from pasta because it's like poison, you know, basically. <laughs> but I love it because I grew up with it. So on this one day of the year, we just stuff ourselves with, mm. like, just, you know, garlic bread and spaghetti sauce and pasta. And so that's become, like, just one of the most enjoyable traditions but you know i'm like everybody else at christmas i mean i need man i like all the baked goods yeah you know and so i man i i just i'm you know, obviously where i'm at i'm trying to avoid all that stuff all the time so it's just like you know all the chocolate stuff and all the baked goods and just all the stuff that just you are just flooded with everywhere i love every bit of it and i'm trying my hardest not to eat all of it and inevitably, <laughs> January first rolls around. I need to drop ten pounds. Like that's right. Else. It's it, it's it's priming you for the resolution. I think. Yeah, yeah it's horribly great. Yeah, so. we always do, and we do this at Thanksgiving as well. We do make a little bit of turkey, but like we're not big turkey people. I don't know. Yeah, it's, yeah. And I don't even remember growing up turkey being a big deal. We probably did turkey at Thanksgiving, I guess. But we were always a ham family. Yeah, very, okay. you know, very new covenant. <laughs> very hammy. Very hammy. So Becky always makes a ham at uh, at, at Thanksgiving. And at, and at Christmas usually. Um, okay. But so for me growing up, I grew up in the Rio Grande Valley in Texas, right on the border. And uh, oh, we always had for Christmas Eve tamales. So I don't know if that's similar oh, to that. that's classic. Yeah. That's classic. So for us, like yeah. it's not Christmas if you don't have tamales. <laughs> tamales, <laughs> charro that. beans, uh, chili con queso. Yeah, everything. I mean, I want me. that right now, Jared. I do I too, that. actually. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's like Christmas. Okay. Uh, yeah. One of my favorite subjects, Christmas movies. And you don't mm. have to limit yourself to one. What's your favorite Christmas movie? Parentheses S parentheses. I mean, it is really hard to find something better than It's a Wonderful Life. I mean, okay. That may be the greatest movie ever made. You yeah. know, I mean, it's, it's in like, the top it's, five, it's, I think. I mean, it is just, it, it's, 
it, it absolutely, I mean, Jimmy Stewart just absolutely captures it. And I know not every part of the movie is, you know, just, you know, has, you know, mistletoe just sort of like floating around it. Right. Right. But it's just, it's that buildup. It's sort of the, the, it's the, um, it's just the subject matter. It's the, it's the, you know, it's the, it's the storyline. I think just having that movie being played in the background during the Christmas season, just, yeah. it just, I don't even have to sit there and watch it. I just want it on in the background while I'm doing other things, yeah. you know, and I love it. So yeah, that, I don't know that you can get any bit. I don't think they've ever moved on that except for the only other one that's a must for me. And I still watch them all is Christmas Carol. It's the George C. Scott version okay. from the 80s, which is really great to me. It's the best one because George C. Scott, I mean, can you find a better Ebenezer Scrooge? Yeah. I, I would say you can't. And so that one and It's a Wonderful Life are the ones that just are the, are the must sees. Yeah. Me. The thing about It's a Wonderful Life, it, it almost is like nostalgia on film yes. in, in a way because there's this whole world. And, and in fact, one of the conceits of the movie Right is Jimmy Stewart's character George wants he wants to travel he wants all yes. the all the stickers on his suitcase he wants to get out of Bedford Falls it in yes. his mind it's a dead end thing I don't want my dad's business uh, and I don't want the bank I don't want any of that I want to I want to see the world I want to see adventure and one of the morals of you know the the main moral of the story is like you know you're not poor if you have friends that kind of thing but it's yeah. also like you can experience the gamut of rich human life in your little town. The, yes. the the whole world the 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 magic of the whole world can be found yes even in Bedford Falls and I just love even the little touches yes. uh, you know to me that make the movie magical is not just the storyline but just the little things you know him coming and making the the wish on the little lighter inside the drugstore hot dog yes. you know, yeah, just these yeah. little things that just give it these little spices of of it's such a great film it really is a great film and shot in California I was so disappointed to learn that. Yeah, wasn't it like it was sort of a Northern California town, wasn't it? Or was it something like of that nature? I, I forget. I've read about it. Yeah, I mean, and, it's supposed to take place yeah. like in upstate New York, but they, they yeah, shot right. it and, right. you know, made all this fake snow. It like, it just, it ruins the whole experience. And me. I think, I think for, <laughs> yeah, no, I gotcha. And I think for me too, like my dad always used to say this thing to me. He'd say, you know, well, back when I was a kid, we lived in black and white. Everything was black and yeah. white. Huh. He things, didn't, things didn't become color until later. He was always joking around because he loved old movies. He only really watched black and white movies. So a black and white Christmas in the way that you see it um, in It's a Wonderful Life, that yeah. carries so much nostalgia for me because you have to imagine the colors because, mm. you know, it, it is in black and white. And um, there's something about that. Um, and, and again, the music, you know, the, the you know, the orchestral, you know, uh, you know, music that all those old movies, you know, had. Um, there's something about that that just absolutely gets me. Yeah, yeah. I just I, I love the end, the turn. The, the climactic uh, when he's, you know, he's back yes. in the real life and he's running through the Merry yes. Christmas movie house. Yes. You know, every, uh, yes. Everything about it. I get goosebumps. I uh, know. Uh, every time. So okay. So what about a more modern, what's a, a more, you know, contemporary Christmas film and say the last 20, 30 years, maybe that, uh, that you've been. Yeah, that you like? That's a great question. Cause every year I'm always waiting for them to come out with something that would be on par with some of the classics. Yeah. I, I think the last great one they've done was elf. Okay. You know, yes. it's, yeah. It's a, it's a comedy. So I, I kind of separate Chris, Christmas comedies from Christmas dramas. I like them both. Um, I'm a little more drama driven than I would be comedy driven, okay. ironically. But, um, I do think Elf is a classic. I think they, I think that's an absolute like modern classic. So I, I really, I really like that one. I really like that one quite a bit. That's I, become part of the tradition. Yeah. I think it's enhanced. I mean, it's, it's, it's very funny, but it has that child because it's so childish or childlike. Yeah. I yeah. think that I think that kind of helps solidify it. It's not stuck in the uh, just the adult kind of exactly world, but the place. There's something about New. Even if you're not a New Yorker, even if you're you know I not know. even if you don't like New Yorkers, there's something about Manhattan and Christmas that it just feels like Christmas. I know it is the Chris. It's the Christmas city. That's of right. America. Well, but it the really center is. is in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it's for, for me, it doesn't feel like Christmas. Uh, I mean, I love. So I love. We have like a stack of Christmas movies. Like we start at Thanksgiving because there's like 20 movies that we have to watch them all. Yeah, and, and, and it's a variety of things, right? Uh, but Home Alone for me, um, okay. which I, I was in the ninth grade when that came out, so I wasn't even like a little kid when it came out. And yet, there's something about the movie, the music in that yeah. movie in particular, and just the house. The house is a character in that movie. Yes, it yes. just for me, it's not Christmas unless I watch Home Alone. Um, what about a, a, a an underrated 
Christmas movie? Like one maybe people haven't seen, maybe haven't even heard of, perhaps. Yeah, gosh, Mo, you're putting me on the spot okay. now. Um, no, that's okay. I, you know, yeah, I was a little too old for Home Alone, but I totally understand why that's become part of like people's traditions. So that one just, I was a little too old on that one because I'm about yeah. four or five years older than you. So that one just didn't quite hit me. I was, gotcha. I was, I was in the dark ages of Christmas nostalgia, <laughs> eight between the ages of 18 and 22. Okay. When you're to all you care about is spending time with your friends and that stuff kind of is not, you know, is right. It, it's not as, it's not as a, you know, a distinct thing in your life at that time. So unfortunately that, that didn't happen for me with that. But I would say in a, in the last 10 to 20 years, I, gosh, I, there's, there's this, yeah, most people probably haven't seen it, but there's this movie and it's really silly, but it's kind of funny. It's a movie called Fred Claus. Yes. Oh, we love it. It's in our stack. We got to yeah, watch Fred Claus. Yeah, it's a real. It's if Paul Giamatti is Santa, and I love yeah. Paul Giamatti could read the dictionary, and I'd be all in with Paul. <laughs> right? But um, I just thought I watched it the first time, and I was like, "Oh man, come on! These things just keep getting worse." I watched it the next year after it came out, and I'm like, "Oh, dude, this is really funny. Yeah, it's really brilliant." So Fred Claus just got. Yeah, that's part of my. That's part of the stack, but I. I don't think it really did that well. It's not really kind of one no, of the. No, hardly anyone ever talks about it. So that would be an yeah. underrated, despite the stars that are in it. Vince Vaughn yeah, plays yeah. plays uh, Santa Claus's uh, older brother, actually his older brother. Yes, and always, but in the shadow of of yes. of, of Santa. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so very anti-Christmas and everything. Anti and Vince Vaughn just being Vince Vaughn, doing his Vince Vaughn oh, thing yes. about everything. So it's, it's super so good. Great. I love it. But one and one of my favorite scenes in the movie, and this may you, you may feel like I'm I'm over seriousnessing this uh, scene, but I, I even wrote about it in one of my books. Is the scene where out of a, in like a fit of rebellion because he has all these stacks. One of the jobs he has when he goes to work for his brother is to separate naughty from nice, the files yes. of all the kids. And he takes all the naughty stack and he's, he marks them all nice, just boom, boom, yes. boom, one after another. And I just think as a picture of the gospel right there, brother, like that there people who are objectively naughty are declared, uh, reckoned in the court of naughty and niceness. They're declared nice. I just loved it. Oh, uh, Jared, you can't just watch it. You I have know. to, you just have to draw out those gospel implications. <laughs> you just can't. Got to see through the lens, through the lens of grace. <laughs> I'll give you two if you're listening. Uh, maybe these are, are two movies, but for for kids and families, Arthur Christmas, which oh, is yeah. a, a fairly recent, probably in the last ten years or so. I heard that um, was great. I hadn't seen. Oh, that, it's but so good, it good, so good, and it's basically about the generations of Santa Claus. Um, so Santa Claus is like the grandpa, and then the dad is about to retire from being the Santa Claus, and now he's got two sons, and one is the big jock, you know, got it all together son, and the other one is Arthur. And uh, and it's about how like Arthur kind of saves Christmas and yeah it's it's so good it's it's really oh, sweet okay. and it's really I'll, I'll funny it. as well it. it's really funny and then for adults my wife and I love Serendipity which is really just kind of a romantic comedy with John Cusack and Kate Beckinsale it takes place in Manhattan it starts in Christmas and ends in Christmas it's not really traditionally a Christmas movie but we always watch it around Christmas time because it just it's has all, one of those puns. it has all those feels of Christmas they're having the 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 hot chocolate you know and the little patisserie there in, in Manhattan yes. yeah it's nice. Uh, you know, I also heard about um, – there's one that just came out this year that I heard a great report on. So it's this not from experience, but it's on Netflix, and um, I think it's animated. It's called Claus, Claus K-L-A-U-S. Okay. And, I, and I just heard a really great review on that that just said it's magical. It's awesome. So don't don't hold me to that one. But, you know, we're looking for new – they're not making a lot of new ones these days. So That's if you right. find a new one, I always like yeah. to watch it. But I haven't seen Arthur. I need to see yeah, it. Yeah, see Arthur Christmas. Okay, uh, favorite Christmas memory? Oh man, gosh, yeah, that's that's really good. Um, I think uh, I think a, a great Christmas memory for me was one year. This was different for us, but we were up in the mountains. So I grew up in Southern California, a very unChristmassy feeling culture. If we're being honest, yeah, you know, it, it can be ninety-one degrees on Christmas Eve. <laughs> that's not you got Christmassy your palm, at all. It's not. You got your palm tree in your backyard. It's horrible. Um, but you used to have to drive up to the mountains, up to an area called Big Bear, if you wanted to experience a little more small town, snowy Christmas. So one year we did that. And I just remember this um, Christmas Eve, we're in this little village called Big Bear Village. And it, they just have the whole thing done up. And then there's actual ice skating going on right in the village. So we have our hot chocolate. I have ice skates on and I'm just, you know, 
holding onto the edge of the ice skating rink out of fear because I can't ice skate. But I re- I just remember there being this like, well, this is the Christmas I always dreamed of having mm. living in Southern California. I'm experiencing it now. Little did I know that a year later I would be in Ohio and I would get to experience basically that, that sort of that old, you know, sort of traditional you know, the village, the ice skating rink, really, you know, for the last 10 years here in Ohio. So it was something that sort of like God gave me as a precursor to what I was going to be experiencing. And it's, it's been, it's been pretty magical ever since then. So that's nice. That's nice. Yeah. You know, I, I think back, there's so many because Christmas to me is just so tied up in, in things sure. that are yeah. um, helpful to my, you know, to my heart. So there's so many precious memories. I, I think of like, my um the first christmas where my uh you know our firstborn was a toddler and uh, and so the experiencing things like we got to the slide this little big plastic slide which felt gigantic <laughs> compared to what she was and it's such a tiny like you know play you know play you know slide thing but her climbing up the little three steps of the thing i think she's gonna die falling out you know <laughs> uh, but i remember vividly that but probably my favorite was uh this is when we lived in vermont and of course you know white christmas in vermont oh yeah, uh, oh, yeah. but we had just come out of and and actually we're kind of in the midst of still uh some of a very difficult season a lot of suffering in the church and just a lot of tumult mm-hmm. and i was just stressed and 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 on the edge of burnout and it was christmas morning mm-hmm. and um I just remember sitting in the easy chair and, and we had this big picture window and the snow was gently falling. It literally was. It was just gl- you know, gliding to the ground, these snowflakes. And my two daughters and my wife were like sitting on the floor under the Christmas tree opening gifts. And I just – that scene with the snow in the background and the window, I just felt the Lord is good as, yeah. as, as, as hurt and as, as uh, um, you know, in pain as I feel right now. I just I want to bottle up this moment. Yeah, it's just a reminder yes. of his faithfulness, and and so there wasn't anything specific, a specific gift, or it's just that that scene is kind of burned in my. It's almost my like mind. the environment, the this particular moment that God created for you. I, I think that He etched in your memory. This is where I think nostalgia can be a beautiful, yeah, and just like a necessary thing because you have that now. To, to bring you back to a time when you don't just remember the moment, but you remember what you were thinking in the moment, which was, God, you're just good. Yeah. So there's a redemptive nostalgia for you right there, I yeah. think. All right. I'm going to um, I'm going to ask you to, to kind of uh, give a final word here, a pastoral word, if you will. I'm picturing if anyone is listening to this on Christmas Day, um, and I don't imagine most listeners would. But if they are, this is who I'm picturing is listening. It's a mom or dad in the afternoon. Um, all, all the gifts are open. There's crumbs everywhere. The kids are already bored with their toys and they just, they're just going to, they just want to go outside or they're going to go, you know, into the study or, or something and put on a podcast, just kind of chill out, catch their breath for a moment. Or maybe it's a a young man or woman who's visiting with family and they're just, they got to get away for a little bit, kind of disengage, catch their breath. And they, let me just put on the Christmas episode of the, for the church podcast. Um, but they, you know, they're a little tired. They're this Christmas is like over the presents are open and you have that kind of Christmas come down in a sense like, Oh yeah. It's, it, yeah. It, it was that all it was. Is it, it's just done yeah. now. It's another 365 days for, for that. It's, it, it's over in a moment, you know? In a, yeah. So what's an encouraging word for that dad or mom who's a little tired or knows that, you know, they're going to have to do a lot of cleanup or the, young man or woman about to go back into the family arguing about the presidency or whatever it is. Yeah. What's a word for them? What's a word for them? Yeah, I think, gosh, just, I think it's, it's, I think it's always good. It's good work that we do. Um, when we can step back, we can see the love and the care that we have to extend during Christmas. I don't think it's ever for nothing. And, um, so the, the time we spend, you know, preparing things for our kids, creating moments for our kids. It really is a picture of the father. Um, it, it, I think for me, it allows me to remember that, you know, we have a father who gives good gifts. He loves us. Um, he's not frowning. Mm. He's not frowning down upon us. And I think, you know, you have that moment, like you just described on Christmas Day, it's all over. Maybe the stress and the pressure of the new year is starting to build and mount again because you've had this, just this brief window to um, let it all kind of wash over you. 
and then it all starts kind of building up again. And I think I think the beauty of Christmas is to remember that the gifts that God gives us are um, well, they're eternal, and so our uh, our anticipation and hope of glory is something that Christmas allows us to um, enter to the new year with, with some hope and some true optimism, not in the collapsible things that Christmas can be um, characterized by, but just, uh, you know, the non collapsibleness of, of Christ and the cross. Mm. And I think if anything, that's, we have to take that as Christians from Christmas as a, uh, as motivation, as inspiration, as, you know, a sense of, of hopefulness leading into a new year surrounded by a weary world. Yeah. And um, so that, that's, I think that's what I would encourage somebody as I'm trying to encourage myself in the same thing. Yeah. So. I love that. The, un, the uncollapsibleness of Christ and his cross um, and, and, and of the gospel. I, yeah. I, I just think if, if we would be less concerned, I don't want to say we don't have to be, you know, unconcerned, but if we'd be so, you know, far less concerned about other people putting Christ in, in Christmas or remembering um, you know, this, this, uh, the meaning of the holiday that, that we want them to cherish and actually cherish it ourselves, <laughs> actually, yeah. you know, related to Christ as if he were a real person and not simply an idea or a philosophy or a holiday tradition, but a, a real person. Um, yeah. I think it would do a lot for our, our unsettled hearts, um, in that regard to put Christ in, in the Christmas that, that we love, that we experience. Yeah. Not worry about others. Hey, brother, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much. I mean, uh, it's it's so refreshing to talk to somebody on a podcast who likes Christmas other than <laughs> some other podcasts I do very often oh, okay. with men that, that don't love Christmas. That shall not be named. So, Is that the- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So this was this was a this was a rare moment. It was a it was an undeserved treat. So, so thanks, I see. Man. So you're you're we're on video. We're on Skype right now, video, and you're in a closet. I'm assuming because of the sound. Uh, like sound issues, you wanted a soundproof room, so you got right. coats behind That's... you. I gotta tell you, it feels Chris- like you're in the wardrobe, you're in the yeah. Narnian wardrobe. So you I have am. a choice to make, brother. You can go to your left into the real world, which is where I assume the door is, and mm-hmm. back into the world of of all the things you got to do, or you can press right to your right through those coats and go into the world of Narnia. So yeah, I, I will I, be going. I will I be going through the coats. Just remember, today. you got. Just remember, you got to come back. So I, but I, the, the choice is up to you. We've been talking with Ronnie Martin, lead pastor of Substance Church in Ashland, Ohio, author of the new Advent book, The Best Gift Ever Given. Please do check that out. Look it up wherever good books are sold and place an order today. And let me send you out on this note, if you don't mind, dear listener. Uh, there will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior and battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as the fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth, And forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. That was the word of the Lord. Merry Christmas, everybody. And until next time, may Jesus be big in your church. You've been listening to the For the Church podcast, hosted by Jared Wilson, found online at ftc.co. This resource is brought to you by Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, where we train leaders for the church.